Welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Hello there, this is Blake Lindsay, and I certainly do want to welcome you to Zig Ziggler's Inspire Podcast. If you're a first-time listener, I know you're going to want to come back weekly. And if you are a faithful subscriber, we are so pleased to continue to bring you hope and inspiration right through the Ziggler Inspire podcast. Last year, I sure was excited to hear how many people were positively impacted by these programs. In fact, if you have benefited from anything you've heard on these podcasts, I sure would like to hear from you. It really encourages me when you call. The number is 214-207-6972. We will appreciate hearing from you. That number again is 214 214- Two zero seven six nine seven two. If you'd like to, we can even feature you in one of the upcoming podcasts. And we've got a better than good one for you today. This happens to be one of my favorite famous Zig Ziglar stories, and so you'll have to forgive me. I'm going to crank up my speakers nice and loud with you. You might even hear them. And I'll be back to close in a few minutes. Get ready to enjoy. Just a one little word of trivia. I always like to tell people, and you get my age, I'm glad to be anywhere. You know, us fellas, we very frequently kid the ladies about talking a lot and doing a little gossiping. But as I walked in this morning, a couple of guys uh, were back there talking, and one of them said to the other, uh, I can't tell you anymore. I've already told you more than I heard. Now, and you know, that, uh, uh, that seems to be a trend, uh, unfortunately, in a whole lot of cases. And as also, as I was coming in, a couple of the ladies were talking, and as I walked past, one of them said, there's Zig. The other one said, yeah. You know, I'd rather hear that guy talk than eat. The other one said, me too, I've heard him eat. Now, you know, and, uh, uh, well, that, that could have something to do with self-image there. The question I want to start you with today is do you respond to life or do you react to life? The doctors say that respond is positive, react is negative. You get sick, go to the doctor. She gives you a prescription, says see me tomorrow. You walk in the next day, she shakes her head and says, uh-oh, your body is reacting to the medicine that we got to change the prescription. But if she smiles and says, hey, it's working, your body is responding uh, to the treatment, everything's going to be okay, then you get excited. Responding and reacting is going to be enormously important. On January the 23rd, 1981, I was in Kansas City, Missouri. It was my final stop on a long week. I'd all that week been doing four-hour seminars, north, south, east, and west, border to border, coast to coast. And when I do a four-hour seminar, I expend an incredible amount of energy. On this particular day, we were recording, and when you record, you move it up one more notch because you don't have your body to communicate with. It's got to be all voice and voice inflection and excitement and that sort of thing. So I turned it up a notch, and I already speak at about 280 words a minute with gust up to about 550. So I had really turned it up. At the end of the seminar, we had recorded that day, and uh, our recording gear, this was in 1981. Now, that's a long time ago, and you had bulky equipment. One of our recording boxes weighed over 140 pounds. My son-in-law, Chad Whitmire, was with me doing the recording. We had a 3 o'clock flight back to Dallas. We finished straight up and down, 1 o'clock. The airlines had said, hey, you've got to be here at least an hour early so we can stow the gear. So the minute I finished, we started assembling all of the gear. We packed up as quickly as was humanly possible. We made the mad dash to the airport, got there straight up and down at 2 o'clock. 
When I walked into the airport, there were two long lines of people. We chose what I thought was the uh, shortest line and prepared to wait. Well, I noticed almost immediately that there was a vacant spot down at the counter and there was a sign that said position closed. I also noticed there was an individual, a lady who was walking around behind the counter. Well, I just knew in my own mind that in a matter of minutes, that position closed was about to be turned over to position open, so I got ready. Well, sure enough, the lady walked down, she flipped that sign over, looked at the two long lines of people and said, those of you who have a seat on the three o'clock flight to Dallas, come over here. Well, quick as a flash, I was over there. I mean, I got to the new line before anybody else had even left the old line. The lady smiled at me as pleasantly as I've ever been smiled at and said, the three o'clock flight to Dallas has been canceled. <laughs> and I said, fantastic. She looked at me strangely and she said, what do you mean fantastic? I just told you that your flight has been canceled. I said, ma'am, it's very simple. There are only three reasons on earth why anybody would ever cancel a flight to Dallas, Texas. I said, number one, something is wrong with that airplane. Or number two, something is wrong with that person that's going to fly that airplane. Or number three, something is wrong way up there. Now, ma'am, if any one of those three situations exist, I don't want to be up there. I want to be right down here. Fantastic. Now, have you ever noticed that some people can't wait to give you the bad news? Oh, Sally, I hate to tell you this. It just kills me to tell you that. They can't wait to get the bad news out. She put her hands on her hips and she said, yeah, but the next flight doesn't leave until 6 Oh, five. I said, fantastic. Well, by now, the other long line of two lines of people over here are looking over at me as if to say, who is that nut that says everything is fantastic? Well, it brought the aid agent to a dead stop. She looked at me and she said, now look, I just told you that you've got a four-hour wait here in the Kansas City airport, and you say, fantastic. Now, why on earth would you say a thing like that? I said, ma'am, it's very simple. I'm 54 years old, and in my lifetime, I have never before had an opportunity to spend four hours in the airport in Kansas City, Missouri. Well, I said, do you realize at this precise moment there are literally tens of millions of people on the face of this earth who not only are cold, but who also are hungry? And though it is awfully cold on the outside, here I am in a marvelously warm building here. There's a nice little coffee shop down the way. Going to go down there, get myself a cup of coffee, and relax for a minute. Then I've got some extremely important work I've got to do. Now, here I am in one of the most beautiful buildings in the Kansas City area, four hours of rent-free space, and I am really excited about doing it. <laughs> now, you might be thinking to yourself, now, Ziegler, I've heard about these positive thinkers, but man, that's kind of way out. Now, are you telling me the truth? Are you absolutely sure that's exactly what you said? Scout's honor, that is exactly what I said, and my son-in-law will validate that statement. That's exactly what I said. Okay, okay, you said it. But now tell me the truth, Ziegler. Is that the way you really felt? Why, of course not. I'd been gone all week. I was tired. I wanted to be headed home. 
But you see, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that we absolutely are not going to change in our life. You see, I had a choice there. I didn't know of that lady, but I knew this. She could cancel my flight, but she couldn't cancel my day. You see, I had a choice there. Do I want to respond or do I want to react? I could have reacted sarcastically. I could have said, that's great, that's just great. I've had my seat now for over a month, reserved. I've had my ticket for nearly a month. I wanted to know, ma'am, as I drove up here, I could not help but notice there are a whole bunch of your airplanes sitting out there on the runway not doing a cotton-picking thing. Now, how come you can't crank up one of those airplanes and take me on down to Dallas with other folks that want to go to Dallas? I could have done that. And the next flight still leaves at 6.05. I could have jumped up and down, ranted and raved and screamed and stomped my foot, made an absolute idiot out of myself, demanded my rights, I'll sue you. That's what I'll do. Do you hear me? I will sue you for such a dastardly deed that you are pulling here. And the next flight still leaves at 6.05. Now, folks, there are some things you ain't going to change. If you were born white, you're going to stay white. If you were born black, you're going to stay black. You're not going to change one whisper about yesterday. Ah, oh, but tomorrow, that's an entirely different story. And whether you respond to life or whether you react to life really does determine exactly what is going to happen in your life. As I said, that lady could cancel my flight. She could not cancel my day. You know how folks are. You let them cancel a day. And the first thing you know, they'll want to cancel two days and then three days and then four days. And some people, ladies and gentlemen, permit others to cancel a lifetime. I've seen it happen. Do you respond to life or do you react to life? That is an enormously important message we need to understand. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been riding down the freeway Minding your own business. You're neither positive nor negative. You're just kind of riding along down the freeway. And all of a sudden, some idiot, to be kind to him, pulls in front of you. You hit your brakes, you hit your horn all at the same time, and you proceed to give him a piece of your mind. Why don't you watch where you're going, you dummy? I could have hit you, and I could have been killed, and you could have been deal too. I'll tell you, your life is not safe anymore. I mean, you really read him the right act. You get down to the office, and what do you do? You tell the first person you meet about these crazy people out there on the freeways, and the second person you me. And the third person you meet must have been drunk or on drugs or something. I mean, your life is not safe anymore. I mean, you really are upset about it. And in the meantime, the man who did the dastardly deed rides merrily along, <laughs> unaware of the fact that you even exist. Yet he is in control of your thinking, which means he's in control of your action. He is affecting your relationship with those below you, above you, and around you, which means he literally is in control of your career and you don't even know who he is. It is the ultimate put-down. Do you respond or do you react to life? Your self-image is the key to which one of these you do. Are you threatened by every little thing that comes along? Or do you respond to that situation? Several years ago, I went over to the bank out in North Dallas, and uh, as I was pulling out into the flow of traffic, I did it half right. 
uh, meaning I look to the right. Well, as I pulled out into the flow of traffic, all of a sudden I heard the screeching of brakes and the shriek of an extraordinarily large uh, uh, big horn, and I hit my brakes as quickly as I could. I looked up just in time to see this dude come steaming by in a big old Mercedes. And I'll tell you that look he gave me, if it would kill, there'd been a funeral in Dallas a couple of days later. If it would have melted steel, I would have needed a new automobile. I tell you, I have never seen such a high concentration of ugly in one spot in my life. I mean, when that dude looked at me, he was some more upset. Now, you see, I've got a choice. I could have looked at him and I said, well, why don't you watch where you're going, you dummy? I could have been killed too. Come on back in, we'll talk about this thing. I could have done that. And suppose he had. Suppose he had come back and gotten out and come and whooped up on me. Now, folks, uh, it's kind of funny and yet it's tragically serious. Every day of our life in America, people are killed for less reasons than that. People react instead of respond. Now, I got a choice. Do I respond to what has just happened or do I relax? As he rode past, I looked up at him and I said, Hi! The guy did a double take, you know, and he smiled big. He waved his hand back at me and was probably thinking to himself, Boy, I almost blew it. That must be a friend of mine. <laughs> I believe. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that it is infinitely more important to respond than it is to react. And it is going to play a major role in how you get along with your mate, your children, your boss, your employees, your next-door neighbor, and everybody else. And the key to it is that self-image you have in your life. What is the major point? The major point I want to make is you cannot tailor-make the situations in life but you can tailor-make the attitude in advance to fit that uh, situation in life. And that attitude, as I said, rests purely on the image, the picture you have of yourself. Now, what does all of this story have to do with your uh, self-image? It has everything. You see, reacting breeds anger. It breeds depression. It brings negativism and bitterness. Responding breeds hope and creativity, and it breeds action. So what is going on in your life today that you need to respond to instead of react to? Is someone trying to cancel your day? Think about how you spend your life. Are you reacting to situations or are you responding to situations? Today, make it a point to slow down and think about the words you choose and the thoughts you think. You can tailor make your responses to life circumstances. Whether your plane is being canceled or you're getting cut off in traffic, the choice is yours. Make it a good one. I'm Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.